Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Fargo Studio. My name is Tim Moser here, hosting Real Presence Live. Looking out at a sunshiny day. Isn't it amazing? Yes, indeed. Looking at Therese. Thanks for producing today, Therese. Appreciate it. Got a great show planned for you today. We're starting off with Rochelle Savageau. She'll be on with us in just a moment. And then we have um, Father Shannon Bouquet and also Father Greg Hammond. It's going to be an awesome day of talking about pro-life. Life. You know, it's interesting. I heard on the news yesterday uh, our president and press secretary saying, because uh, our president is talking about voting rights, you know, he's talking about, which, which, of course, is important. But they characterize it as the most basic fundamental right. And I went, hmm, I might beg to differ. We might have to go back to life. <laughs> but anyway, it's interesting. Pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. And that's what we're going to do today. So let us start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious and loving God. You will then create all life. All life is precious. All life is made in your image and likeness. Open our hearts and the hearts of all our leaders to see this truth, to embrace this truth, to live this truth. It is so important that we become a culture of life and love in your design. Bless our time today. Bless our guests. Bless all of us to embrace the gift of life. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again to the mothership here in Fargo, North Dakota. Tim Moser here between the railroad tracks and the cathedral. That's where we are in the Meadowlark building. I'd like to welcome to the show Rochelle Savage. Welcome, Rochelle. Good morning, Tim. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be able to uh, to chat with you and, and all this kind of stuff. And whenever I think pro-life, I, I just have to think of you because, of course, I have succeeded you in that office. Um, big shoes to fill, young lady. My goodness, you know, but it, it is fun. And, and Rochelle uh, has, is helping me every step of the way, and I certainly appreciate all those things that you do for him, Rochelle. Well, more than happy to pass the banner on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. We know when January rolls around, Rochelle, I'm sure that you just comes to your mind the, the March for Life, the March for Life in a Washington, D.C., and it's something that you did for many years. So tell our listeners a little bit of, about the march, and then we'll get into a little bit of the history. When we say the March for Life, what is it? The March for Life is the largest gathering in our nation's capital, um, and when... Mostly youth from across our nation come together to really witness to the dignity of the human person, most especially to the humanity of the unborn child, Mm -hmm. and to really um, speak to those in our legislature, to our president, Supreme Court, about the great need in our nation to 
overturn Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. and restore once again the right to life, most especially to the unborn child in the womb. It's so true. You know, it's obviously it's so important. Of course, we have the case moving through. Dobbs has, has been accepted by the Supreme Court, and we expect maybe a ruling in, in June. So we certainly ask all our listeners to pray for that. And, you know, one of the great things uh, about this, certainly we want our laws and our court decisions to reflect the idea that the right to life is, is the most primary. But at the same time, you know, for almost 50 years now, we've been uh, fighting this battle, if you will, a battle for hearts and minds, as well as the law. And that's one thing that I think is so great about this March for Life, because you have taken hundreds of of these young pilgrims and had them there hands-on seeing things, you know, right at like, like the Holocaust Museum, like to see these places where are the, the Gettysburg battlefields, where the dignity of the human life, whether it is in, in the Holocaust, whether it is in slavery, whatever it is, to see all these different ways that the dignity of the human person has been violated. And all those things together, I can only imagine, Rochelle, really is setting upon their hearts that we need to respect all life. You know, Tim, over the years as we have planned the pilgrimage and set the course for it, there's a purpose behind the places that we take mm-hmm. the youth to. Um, you mentioned the Holocaust Museum, probably the greatest attack on human life um, in the history of the world, mm-hmm. if I can even of say Of already that. born human life. Yeah, yeah, yeah of absolutely. already yeah. born human life. I totally life. agree. And um, for our young people, tragic and horrible as it is to be able to see the after effects of the Holocaust mm-hmm. on our world and on peoples mm-hmm. and on individuals. But in addition to that, so we go back a little further in our own history here in the United States, and that is the struggle with slavery. Mm -hmm. Again, another violation to the dignity of the human person that we want to, our young people to experience. You know, sometimes when you visit with young people and you ask them about the Holocaust You know, it's like something that they've never heard of. (laughs) And you go back even further, do they really understand and recognize what slavery was all about? And the struggle it was in our nation. Um, And so to take them there to the uh, Holocaust Museum and then to Gettysburg, they have such a great national museum there. Um, And we take part in um, the programming that they offer there because it's really a great educational tool for Mm -hmm. young people and then for them um, really the culmination of the pilgrimage is to take part in the march for life our present day civil rights issue amen for them to really participate in and to be part of to be a voice for on our nation's capital Mm-hmm. It's kind of a full circle that we hope to give the young people. Exactly. So true. We're talking with Rochelle Savage, a longtime Respect Life Director for the Diocese of Fargo. And I couldn't... Yes, exactly. I was just going to say, it couldn't have been that long time. She looks so young, Rochelle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. But you know, when you talk about that, that's so key. And I think it's great that you get that big perspective from slavery to the Holocaust to, to our current, as you mentioned. You know, a couple things really come to mind. And when I go out and I've spoken with a lot of um, 
youth about this. Matter of fact, I was over at Shanley, Fargo Shanley High School, for those of you that uh, you know, aren't local here to Fargo, uh, the Catholic High School in the Diocese of Fargo. I had a great, great time with them, spoke to the whole, whole, um, whole assembly. And uh, one of the things I talk about uh, is a real-life um, encounter I had at Concordia, where I was teaching, this is about 10, 15 years ago, about with a couple of gals who were, uh, they, they were, you know, in favor of Roe versus Wade. And I got the opportunity just to ask them questions, you know, and, and that's the key, right? And so one of the things we talk about, and they said, is, well, Roe versus Wade is settled law. What does that mean? You know, we've talked about the Dobbs case. So it, it's been precedent for so long. Plus, 1992, Casey kind of reaffirmed it. You know, it's precedent, stare decisis, right? What the court has decided before. So I ask him this question. I say, do you believe in separate but equal? Of course, they looked at me like, well, what do you mean? Separate but equal. Do you know what that is? They said, well, not really. I said, well, so I explained to them, right? You know, when, you know, this is a black water fountain. These are, you know, whites only for this restroom or this, you know, we had this segregation, this separation. He said, well, no, that's not right. I said, well, do you know how long that that was the law of the land? Of course, they have no idea. Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896 said it. It wasn't until Brown versus the Board of Education in 1953 57 years later, longer than we've had Roe. So I said, so does it make sense? If something's unjust, it really doesn't matter how long it's been around, does it? It should change. And they went, you know, so again, it gives them ideas. So I, I, I mentioned this, of course, to, to the youth when I do that, you know, and, and it's good to have that perspective. Like going back, of course, plus you was this segregation. It was this from the slavery, right? You know, so the whole idea is, as Martin Luther King Jr. would say, and of course his day is coming up here, and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Absolutely. You know, um, in 1995, John Paul II, he, what he did for the pro-life cause for the world mm -hmm. with Evangelium Vitae really was a decisive, I feel it was a very decisive document and cyclical on mm -hmm. life. It, because he called things by their right name, and he called abortion a crime against mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And it's not until we start to call things by their right name that we can really recognize them for truly what they are. And you, politics start to fall aside, and the truth comes forward, and then we'll be able to really um, seek justice as it should be sought. Mm -hmm. For those who are, you know, victims, for those who are enslaved, for those who are suffering, for mothers and fathers who have believed this lie for so long. And um, we need to be able to give them that truth so that they can choose life for their little child. You know, that is so true, Rochelle. I mean, of course, St. John Paul the Great, you know, it's just, just amazing, right? But Evangelium Vitae just puts it all out there, you know. And you, like you said, in no uncertain terms, I mean, it's just, th this is what it is, and, and we need that. It's just amazing. Speaking of St. John Paul II, one of the places that we, we will go, at St. John Paul II, try and tell our, our listeners a little bit about that. You know, the Knights of Columbus really outdid themselves when they uh, took over this facility that's across the street from the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception and turned it into this memorial um, shrine to St. John Paul II. And it really um, uses a lot of visuals, um, 
high-tech stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, I think speaks to the young people of our day to present his life, not only his life, but what God was doing through this priest, through this bishop, through this pope, to make Christ present in the world. I don't know how else to say, when I think of John Paul, to St. John Paul II, I think of Christ present in the world. Mm. That's just the impact that he mm. really had on the world. And this um, shrine just does such a beautiful um, job of presenting his life, in addition to the artwork that is in there, the chapels, the mosaics. Um, the little shrine dedicated to him actually has a first-class relic with blood from when he was shot ah. in it. So, um, you know, a real opportunity for people to um, encounter John Paul through mm-hmm. this relic mm-hmm. and to get a real sense of his life and how he really touched history and how he was able to impact the whole world through his ministry. So true. We're talking with Rochelle Savageo here. Uh, and, you know, a couple points that this makes such perfect sense to me, Rochelle. I think it's so great that we take the youth there for all the reasons you said, but also think about how this man, because people saw Jesus, how he connected with the youth, millions of youth. Here you have a 60, 70-year-old cleric talking to a couple million youth and they are on the edge of their seats and just enthralled. What was it about John Paul that the youth were attracted to? I mean, like you said, he was a 70-, 80-year-old <laughs> man, and he became very frail yeah. as the more mm-hmm. elderly he mm-hmm. became, but the more attractive he became. Yeah. The more attractive he became mm-hmm. to the youth, yeah. and he was really able to speak to them and to call out to them, you know, be not afraid, yeah. be not afraid. Exactly. And he was that living witness, as you mentioned, with his own life. He didn't want to hide behind the scenes. He says, you know what? I'm drooling. I'm having problems. It doesn't matter. Christ has called me. Christ didn't come down off the cross, he said. I will stay. He embraced whatever God wanted. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Rochelle, we're already at our first break. Isn't it amazing? Talking with Rochelle Savager. When we come back, there's a great history of the March for Life here in the Diocese of Fargo. And Rochelle's going to walk us through that. When we come back, you're listening to Real Presence Live. And we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. If you have ever been through the hell of deep darkness and suffering, like the suicide of a loved one, do you know that your experience may be helpful to someone else? I'm Father Chris Alar. Mercy is defined as a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it does something about it. And when you exercise the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, you are truly loving your neighbor. 
Jesus said, when a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with an abundance of graces that it cannot contain it within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Let us show you how to be that radiator and find healing for yourself in the process. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. In addition to eye exams for children and adults, Lumen Vision provides custom contact lens services for patients with keratoconus, severe dry eyes, and hard-to-fit prescriptions. These specialty contact lenses can be made for single vision, astigmatism, and multifocal prescriptions. For more information about Lumen Vision's contact lens services, our website is www.lumen.vision. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, coming at you today from the Fargo Studios downtown between the railroad tracks and the cathedral. Therese is producing. Our guest is Rochelle Savageau pro-life defender extraordinaire and we're talking about the march for life and uh, over the break we were just kind of touching therese has been on the march for life so we were chatting about that and 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 what a wonderful gift uh, that has been to as we said hundreds hundreds of youth over the years that's great well rochelle i'm having a wonderful time here thanks again for being here thank you you know i'd be very interested and i know our listeners would too about the history how did we in the diocese of fargo I get to this pilgrimage and the March for Life. It's an interesting history. Tell us about that. Well, Father Wilhelm um, had been taking youth on his own to the March for Life, and he had approached me uh, maybe 1997, 1998, I can't remember exactly, and asked if the diocese would start to kind of take over this pilgrimage and offer it to youth really from across the diocese. And more than happily, I said, yes, that would be awesome. (laughs) I would do that. And so for uh, several years, Father Wilhelm had led that pilgrimage. And uh, over time, we've had, uh, I think, about three or four other priests serve as spiritual directors in leading us on that pilgrimage. And over the years, too, uh, the itinerary for the pilgrimage has changed. Just we kind of began to tweak things mm-hmm. we were doing and um, add different events and uh, to to the goal. But the purpose and the goal of the pilgrimage has never changed. And, you know, it's about going to the March for Life and giving our youth of the diocese the opportunity to take part in this tremendous event that annually happens in our nation's capital, but there's other things that are going on at the same time. Uh, We've talked about the educational aspect of the March for Life, but even more so, and to me, I think the most important thing is that we wanted to give the youth this encounter with Jesus Christ. I mean, because that's really what a pilgrimage is all about. Absolutely. Is an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so the first year that I um, 
began to pull the pilgrimage together, uh, I started calling around the different monasteries and religious houses in Washington, D.C., because we were looking for somewhere to stay. <laughs> <laughs> and I had contacted the Franciscan Monastery, um, you know, because it's part of the Franciscan charism pilgrimages sure. and to provide hospitality. But um, at first they were kind of, eh, you know... Are there girls in your group? <laughs> you know, we can't have women stay in the monastery. Um, and at that time, they hadn't opened up the St. Francis Hall across the street, which is where uh, we stay now mm -hmm. as a pilgrimage, or where you will stay, Tim. Right. Um, and so, you know, I called around to some of the other houses, and they were all full. And so, I called them back, and I think I was crying on the oh, phone. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was quite Tears. desperate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I said, you know, please, can you just provide us with some space? And it was really the beginning of what has been an over 20-year relationship with the Franciscans mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. Ever since then, they have provided us with housing. And the housing really, in some ways, set the course for our pilgrimage and what we would do because they provided us with this space, which, you know, to some they asked, well, why don't you take more kids on the group. Well, our space limits us to how many youth we can take. Mm -hmm. um, really, yeah. we can hold about 33 people in the space we're in. But God used that because the Lord wanted, I really believe, us to take this small group of youth on pilgrimage because he wanted to do something with these youth over the course of a week mm -hmm. in the way that he um, was you know, when you experience something together with the same group of people over a course of time, it binds you together in, because of the experience that mm -hmm. you're taking part in. And, you know, we could just see uh, from the start of the pilgrimage, um, you know, youth were timid. They kind of stayed in their own little groups. <laughs> yep. But by the third day, um, we, we were able to form this group that there was... Uh, really a unity, a bonding between these young people. And that space provided the opportunity to do that because we all ate together in the same space. We would come together after being out all day and have um, a sharing together, but even more so. And I think this was just key for us, is that the Franciscans opened up a chapel for us in the church so that every evening we could go over for Eucharistic adoration. And we were able to give the youth this opportunity to be alone before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and to learn the importance of solitude, of silence, of after this busy day with all of these activities, we were able to just be before the Lord, and to talk to Him about it, and to process that day. And that, to me, was one of the most important things, I think, that we were able to give the youth. I mean, they live in a busy world mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> with technology and their phones, and it's just always so much going on. And they need to be able to experience and to know that 
they need time for silence and to be present before our Lord if they're going to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the monastery and where we stayed provided us with that opportunity. So, um, you know, over the years, we've just um, really, you know, you made plans, Tim. You're learning this yeah, as, you're exactly. pulling the, oh, yeah. <laughs> as you're pulling the pilgrimage together, yep. but there's this need for great flexibility within the plans mm-hmm. yep. to allow the Lord to work and to do what He wants. And uh, we've always been able to do that, I hope and pray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you know, it, each each time, each pilgrimage has its you know unique and special challenges, you know, and we certainly have some this year as well, but God is working through that as well. You know, a couple really awesome points, I think, that I just want to come back to, Rochelle, you make with that. You know, the first is that um, the whole idea of pilgrimage, you know, that, I mean, we're not staying in five-star hotels, you know, it's you know, sleeping bag and cot, you know, and, and, and we're together in this, this big group. Uh, but the idea that that shared experience and shared sacrifice, you hit the nail on the head. You know, whether it's, I think to my marriage, think to your families growing up, think to any time you're with a group that is experiencing, you know, some type of experience, but especially a, a little bit of, I'll say hardship or difficulty, you know, we walk a lot, you know, like I said, it's not a five-star hotel. There are sacrifices to be made. But it binds you together, that shared sacrifice. And then, of course, teaching them that the true thing, and, you know, what, as you were just talking, I'm thinking, this is a model for our everyday life. We go through, we're busy, busy. We begin with prayer, as, as we do in, in the pilgrim, our morning prayer and mass. We have our day, and, you know, we think about God throughout the day. But then we had take intentional time at the end of the day to thank the Lord, to process with the Lord. Lord, what are you telling me through this? To be quiet. If they can take that model with them throughout their life, that's a great gift. It is, and that's the whole intent behind it. Yeah. You know, we're there, these young people come to us, and we're there through the grace of God to help form them in this week's time mm-hmm. that we have with them, in however it is that the Lord desires. You know, He's always giving each of the pilgrims a different grace. Everyone's receiving something different. Mm-hmm. And we can't always know what that is, but they are receiving. And um, the Lord allows us to do that. What a gift, what an honor, and what a privilege it is for me and for the spiritual director Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the pilgrimage to be able to help help be that servant to the Lord Mm -hmm. in this work. The second thing that comes to mind, you talked about the different spiritual directors along the different priests, you know, who have been wonderful. And if we said names, people would know them. But an opportunity for these youth to, to see them, number one, as, as a real person. It's like, you know, I could maybe see myself being that this is a real person, and yet they're really giving of themselves in a very special way. You know, it was always such a joy for me to watch uh, the different spiritual directors that we've had mm-hmm. uh, engage with the young people and just be themselves mm-hmm. around these young people sure. and be able to give themselves away to the young people as they do. Each, the importance of the spiritual director, because he really does set the tone mm-hmm. for the pilgrimage mm-hmm. and how important that is. In each um, of the different priests that I've had, they've all brought something different. Their own personalities, Mm -hmm. their own uh, gifts and talents to the pilgrimage that they shared with the kids. But like you said, Tim, 
for these young people to be able to see that these are real people mm-hmm. and um, that they they're fun, yeah, <laughs> they're <exactly>. funny, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but they're also very serious yeah. about um, why we are on pilgrimage and why we're in Washington D.C. and they're able to pass that on. So true. We're talking with Rochelle Savage out here. Uh, really, the the person who really got the March for Life continued to keep it going after Father Wilhelm got it started and. And I just now my first one that I am leading, and she's helped me a lot through this. I, have, I do appreciate that. Uh, it, it's great. You know, and, and just the idea that even though each of these spiritual directors bring their own gifts, as we all do, right, as each individual does on the pilgrimage, the focus is still Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty. So in this diversity, we have this unity with the Catholic Church and, and with Jesus Christ. And as a little side note, we will be talking with this year's spiritual director, who's been for, for several years now, Father Greg Hammond. He's about going to be six on... Six years, I Six think. years, okay. Yeah. He's going to be on later in the show. We're going to talk to him about his experience and, and some things that we're looking forward to. You know, Rochelle, it's just amazing when I think about this idea of the March for Life. And of course, the march itself. You know, hundreds of thousands of youth all standing up for life, all there just saying, you know, this is what we believe in, you know, and, and it's the key, I think, really, it's not a selfish movement. So many times there's a selfish movement, but no, that this is for others. This is for the voice that, for those that have no voice. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit after the break, coming up on a break here, but we are going to, Rochelle is going to stay a little more, and we're going to talk more about the March for Life, and we're also going to talk about just the history of the pro-life movement in the Fargo-Mohead area, and, and how her experience with that has been. So stay with us. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. 
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Here we are at the Fargo studio. My name is Tim Moser, Real Presence Live. We have Rochelle Savageau here in the studio. Welcome again, Rochelle. I'd like to thank Therese for producing. And, of course, the whole staff. I'm looking out at Eli here and... And Lori and everyone, and we're just having a great time here today. So we're talking about life. You got you got to like life, right? It's just amazing. Specifically about the March for Life. And Rochelle Savageau has done a great job over many, many years of, uh, of having this pilgrimage that um, kind of was begun by Father Wilhelm. And she took it over for the diocese and has been doing a great job ever since. And now she's helping me get my first one all together as we, we leave next Monday, Rochelle. So, yeah. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I just, the anticipation, but also the anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I started watching the weather. Uh-huh. It's just kind of part of who I am. That's right. <laughs> oh, the March is coming up. Better That's check right. the weather. Exactly. Check that long-range forecast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We, so. we know, talking about the March, you know, and, and again, it's all by the grace of God, but however, we live... Overall, Rochelle, in a very, very pro-life area. I think a lot of people know that. But it really is, there's a strong witness to that for a couple of reasons. Number one, our area, two, two uh, groups from our area have carried the lead banner in the March for Life. First, uh, you, you did, uh, probably about six, seven years ago. And then a couple of years after that, the University of Mary from Bismarck did. I mean... It's just a great testament to this outstanding witness, not just in numbers, but in 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 sincerity, in in truthfulness of this idea for life. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Then I got another uh, op, uh, another thing to talk about too. Okay, you know, it was uh, Tim. Probably for me, in my um, twenty five years of serving in the Respect Life Office, it certainly was one of the highlights of my. Um, of my experiences and the different works of our bishop that I was able to serve. I wish I could remember if it was 2014-15, okay. <laughs> because everything kind of um, blends together. But we were, the Diocese of Fargo, together with Shanley High School, had this tremendous honor of carrying the lead banner for the March for Life. And when Shanley found out about that, they made the decision to bring the entire body, student body, of Shanley High School Mm. to the March for Life. Wow. And from that, we extended invitations to St. Mary's in Bismarck, to the Dickinson... um, Trinity. Trinity Catholic High School, and Minot High School. Bishop Ryan. Bishop Ryan and University of Mary to join us as well. Mm. And, you know, of course, there was other smaller groups that came, uh, St. Gianna Maternity Home, had joined us as well, Collegians for Life. But it really became this effort 
this North Dakota contingent that again um, bound us together and came to Washington, D.C., that the state of North Dakota, and we really felt and uh, believed that we were there to represent not just Shanley High School, not just the Catholic high schools, not just the church, but the state of North Dakota Mm -hmm. there at the March for Life. Because like you said, Tim, North Dakota, you know, we have our struggles, but at the same time, there is a culture of life here in North Dakota, Mm -hmm. very much present. And uh, it was just, what a tremendous honor, what a blessed day it was uh, to be able to lead that group of people that had come upon Washington, D.C., Um, I just, you know, there are no words for it. It's something that you experience in your heart and Mm -hmm. just can't always give words to. No, that's true. But I also like uh, one more comment on this. I love how even when you and Shanley were asked, reaching out, you're making this a a community thing. Please join us, you know, join us. And that's what we're doing, right? Like you said, it's not just the Catholic school. It's not just our church. All people of goodwill, all people, join us. Because, you know... I go back to Martin Luther King, an yes. injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. People who are pro-abortion, what many of them don't understand is if they advocate for that, what are we saying? We're saying that there has to be some other standard other than being a human person that makes you worthy of dignity, makes you worthy of life. Well, guess what? Every single person, every single one of us, has things or imperfections, we're too old, we're too this, we're that, we don't have that, that if there's some other standard than being a human person, we're all in danger. So that is that threat to justice everywhere. If we allow the unborn that, you know, to, to not have this right to life, then it's a threat to every single person, regardless of, of how you view abortion. So they're even endangering themselves because they're lowering a standard of, of, of what it means to be a human person. And we see that threat spreading. Uh, you know, for us here in the United States, euthanasia is not, um, it hasn't made its way into law yet, but certainly in other countries, we see uh, where euthanasia is legal and certainly um, encouraged and becoming part of the culture, the society. Um, but so true, Tim, that when we disrespect life when we are willing to sacrifice life mm-hmm. <laughs> at one stage of its growth and development. It's just natural that we're going to want to do that at other times mm-hmm. in a person's life when they, um, if we feel that they're no longer a value to us. That certainly isn't um, how we look at the human person, but. Yeah, so true. You know, let, let's touch on this now, Rochelle. It just came to my mind because you turned me on to this um, very recent uh, local news story about, uh, they're called the Coopers, Grant and Brittany Cooper and their daughter, Esther. Tell that story a little bit and the beautiful, beautiful story that that was just a couple of days ago on our local news. Yeah, on, can I say the channel? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, because um, if people are interested, if they missed it, I, I'm sure you can go back and listen to this. That's where I found um, it yesterday. Interview, with you. Yep. Yeah, yep. on WDAY, W-D-A-Y. Yep. Channel 6. It's, uh, I was just so touched by this young couple, um, the Coopers, Grant, and what was her? Brittany? Brittany Cooper. Um, the 
God has, and I think Grant himself said this, we're honored, mm-hmm. we're honored to be parents to this little child who has very serious anomalies that she was born with. Only and, a dozen people in the world, yes. I think, have it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she needs constant round-the-clock care mm-hmm. and was at the Children's Hospital in Minneapolis for, I think it was almost a year, they mm-hmm. said, and now they have brought her home and are caring for her in their home. But it was how this young couple spoke about their little child and that they recognized the dignity of this child, that their little daughter is made in the image and likeness of God, and that that requires of us to treat her with respect, to protect her life, to provide for her, to care for her. And what a beautiful witness this couple is. I mean, they are making tremendous sacrifices to care for their little child at home. And yet, you know, I always go back to Pope Benedict and um, God is love. Mm. Because he says in there, true love, real love, is a love that is willing to care, to sacrifice, Mm -hmm. and even to lay down one's life for another. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what these parents are doing in love for their little child. And, you know, it's just a, a couple-minute interview. It didn't take long, but it spoke so loudly about the dignity of the human person and this child and this parent and how God provides the love. It's really God who's providing the love mm-hmm, to this couple. And another thing that struck me, too, is just the joy that they have interacting with each other, interacting with their child, this Esther, you know. And as you said, the, the, Grant, the father, then says, this is an image and likeness of God, you know. And so here in our day and age, well, you know, no, what can they, what good are they? What, you know, what, what can they do? Well, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> do anything. <laughs> exactly. And what, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, what can we really do? Best part from, we can do nothing, you know? Yeah. So, so like you said. You know, in the interview, um, they were, they showed um, the parents talking to their little child. And at one moment she smiled. Yes. And you could just see the parents light up. Mm-hmm. It was just so beautiful. But that's, that's what this little child can do. She can smile. And she can bring joy into the life of her parents, even though it's surrounded by all this suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Yes, that that joy. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. You know, one other thing. Getting back now to the March for Life. Yeah. Uh, Thinking about a young person growing up, I was so struck. I, I know the family fairly well. Uh, the, the Johnsons are their name, and their youngest daughter. So is, is Bill and Roberta. Of course, Roberta died from cancer many yes. years ago. Uh, but uh, she has, I think, four older brothers. Uh, but Julia Johnson, she was invited to to speak at a, a March for Life. And I, I didn't go live, but I remember listening to it and going, my goodness, here's this high school gal. And she was so articulate, so passionate, so spot on. And I think you were there. I think you said she was probably the best one there. She was. That was the year that Shanley High School, Diocese of Fargo, carried the lead banner. And so the March for Life had invited her to speak because um, Mm -hmm. we were carrying the lead banner. And, you know, I still remember standing in the crowd and being totally blown away (laughs) by this young person from Shanley High School. Like you said, Tim, she was so articulate. And everybody was cheering. (laughs) And she was just able to really get this 
rally moving and mm-hmm. going and generating a lot of um, hope mm-hmm. in these young people. So, you know, things just don't get any better. It was, what a great day. <laughs> Amen. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? Yeah. And so some of the listeners who may be listening here, maybe you've never been to the March for Life. Maybe you don't know much about the March for Life. Maybe you're a young person who's thinking, maybe I should go, or maybe you're a parent, or I send my kid. I mean, Rochelle's testimony and the testimony of hundreds of others say yes, that this is a great, great use of your time. It really helps us to uh, come together and, and for, for the cause of life. Yeah. You know, Tim, um, oftentimes one of the things that we did uh, with the youth was take them up to the Lincoln Memorial, mm-hmm. which is just a tremendous, tremendous memorial to Abraham Lincoln. And each time that I went there, it brought me back. Um, because we do celebrate in our nation Martin Luther King Day, um, just you know, within a couple days of the March for Life, it brought me back to those scenes uh, from when Martin Luther King spoke in that same place mm-hmm. at the Lincoln Memorial. And I just remember thinking, you know, I want to be able to say to my grandchildren, mm. I marched. Mm. Mm, that is so good. I Michelle. marched in our nation's capital mm-hmm. for the unborn. And you know, just to be part of that history, mm-hmm. because someday history is going to show that, that what we did in Washington, D.C. was a great and powerful and wonderful thing. Amen. Well put, Rochelle. And you've had a chance to march with those very same grandchildren here on the Walk with Christ for Life. Yes. So you're starting with these little marches. We did. Well, that's we did. wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're having a wonderful time here with Rochelle, a very emotional and powerful time. When we come back, we will get to Rochelle's, how she got started in the pro-life movement here in the area and how that all has come together. God has been doing great things in her life as well. So stay with us after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Pfeiffer of the Diocese of Fargo, just taking a moment to recognize the dignity and the purpose of prayer in our life. You know, as we drive through the countryside and the prairies here in the Midwest, there you see many farmsteads that have been abandoned. Many times the soul can be like those farmsteads in many ways of preventive maintenance is not used. And the shingles fall off. And all of a sudden, after many years without, the building starts to collapse. The same can be true with our soul. That's why it's important that we acknowledge God every day. We relate to Him the good, the bad, the joys, the struggles, the difficulties, the pains, and the burdens. After we acknowledge God and we relate, it's important also to sit in silence, to receive the goodness of God, to hear the voice of God. Many people get discouraged in prayer because the receiving is the most difficult part. We need to remember, Moses did not hear the voice of the Lord for 40 years. He lived. He did the will of God. When God does not act, we do not hear his voice. He is still doing things in and through our hearts. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. 
A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. My name is Tim Moser, your host today, coming at you from the Fargo Studios here on Real Presence Live between the railroad track and the Cathedral of St. Mary's. We have the honor of being with Rochelle Savageau, longtime pro-life advocate and Respect Life Director for the Diocese of Fargo, uh, a mantle which she has passed on to me, and uh, she's helping me to carry it. Thank you, Rochelle. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, Rochelle, one of the things I think is always interesting, this area, you know, Fargo-Moorhead, has, has a rich history, a, a pro-life history. Uh, of course, you know, having the dubious honor now for several years of having the only abortuary in the state. There, there were others at one time. But just tell us your story. How and why did you get involved in the pro-life movement here and, and some experiences along the way? Well, initially, um, you know, back in the 1980s, Fargo had uh, the abortion facility down on First Avenue South, the Women's Health Organization, I think is what it was called. And there was a lot of pro-life activism that was going on down there at that time. And... Um, so I think that's initially how I became involved in the pro-life cause was just going down there and, um, you know, being part of that peaceful, prayerful presence. You know, I remember Tim being in high school, never heard the word abortion, and really I had no clue what it was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. until, um, you know, I started to... With the abortion clinic and just really uh, becoming involved in that, but over time, um, you know, I think for anyone who does any kind of apostolic work, Tim, which is really what the Respect Life Office is, it's an apostolic work. It's carrying out the pro-life mission of our bishop. It's not something that I set out to do. It really is a calling Mm -hmm. that the Lord had placed on my heart. And when I look back on it, it's something that the Lord made me for. We all know that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And he makes us for a work that he desires us to do and to carry out. And, you know, I just really believe that he made me for this work, for the cause for life. And, you know, I called me to serve that particular work uh, in the church through the diocese. And um, it's just a calling, even though I'm not uh, directly involved with pro-life work any longer, um, in the sense that you are now, Tim, 
that calling is just part of who I am. It's in my heart, and it's not something that I'm ever going to take off or walk away from. Um, so just to say that, it's not um, that we set out to do these things, but really that the Lord calls us to them. And uh, if we're listening and if we're open, the Lord's going to tell us what mm-hmm. he wants to do, mm-hmm. and he's going to open up those doors mm-hmm. and bring us to where he wants us, which is really what happened for me. But I'm just going back to the history of the pro-life uh, movement in North Dakota, when I first came into the Respect Life Office, a lot of the work was being done in public policy. Um, in fact, that was just really a major work that was taking place in North Dakota and really trying to um, push pro-life laws through in our state legislature. You know, before Roe v. Wade, I think there were 33 states in our nation that either had full bans on abortion or allowed abortion um, to save the life of the mother. North Dakota was one of those states. And, of course, Roe v. Wade undid all of that. And so states had to start working to pass as much pro-life legislation as they could to limit um, abortion to try to protect the life of the unborn child. But also to provide for the needs of women. I mean, if the pro-life movement has done anything in our nation, it has opened the eyes of our hearts to recognize the plight of women who face an unplanned pregnancy and to not put a scarlet letter on them, but rather to see that we need to be there to help them in their struggles, to provide for them in their needs so that they can choose life for their little unborn child. And we began to see that happening in North Dakota. At one time, we had three abortion facilities and, gosh, I think maybe one pregnancy help center. And, you know, look at North Dakota now. now. We have one abortion mm-hmm. facility and, what, seven? Seven or eight, I think, yep. Yeah, pregnancy mm-hmm. help centers and all strategically located across the state mm-hmm. so that if a woman does have that need, she has somewhere to go. We have St. Gianna Home for those women who need that full-time care and support in choosing life for their child. So how God has so greatly blessed the efforts in our state to really build a culture of life and um, educational efforts. Um, we see that even within our own diocese, Tim, mm-hmm. you're going out into the parishes, how key that is, mm-hmm. that educational effort to educate our young and the old like me as well. <laughs> um, because the issue is not just abortion. The issue is euthanasia. The issue is end-of-life planning. Mm-hmm. The issue is uh, how do we respectfully help couples who are struggling with infertility? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's broad. It's not um, just something that affects only one part of our culture. It affects our whole culture Mm -hmm. and how we need to be present. Um, Healthcare, public policy, in really being witnesses to a culture of life in all these aspects of society and our culture. So true. We're talking with Rochelle Savageau here. Again, longtime Respect Life Director for the Diocese of Fargo. 
And as she said, pro-life is on her heart. It's always going to be, always has been. No, I think that's great. And thanks for saying yes to the call. And you're so right, Rochelle. You talk about it. it's it's more so much more than just abortion. And in, in in my education, when I go out to the parishes, I was praying and thinking, about what what is one what's the one central theme I can come with? And what I came up with human dignity. What does it mean to be a human person? And when we understand that and really know what that is, then all of a sudden the idea of abortion, uh, health care, you know, uh, infertility, right, contraception, all the, it all becomes so much clearer. Oh, because if you understand the human person, then we understand what is proper and with dignity and with love and what is not. Regardless of our personal subjective views or desires, there are, as Pope John Paul II says, objective norms we have to go by that safeguard the dignity. And it's not just for us as Catholics who hold these values. It's for all persons because we're all human. Yes. And these values belong to every human person. We share our humanity mm-hmm. with all peoples of the yeah. world. And so this dignity is something that belongs to all of us simply because we are human. Yep. It's natural law, exactly. It is. Yep. It so, is. So true and in every place and every that time. Is. And that's why when we look at public policy, when we look at laws... Um, that they should reflect these basic rights because they have to do with who we are as a human person. Mm-hmm. It's not a religious issue, right? Even though we as religious people hold these values, but it's a human it's a human value that belongs to all persons. Right. It's it's not because of my Catholic faith and my belief that I'm against abortion. It's just that my Catholic faith totally agrees with the pro-life message because it is truth, because it is natural law. So a lot of people get the, well, it's just a religious issue. No, it's not a religious issue. As you mentioned, every human person affects you, what, whether you believe in God or not, whatever you believe. It's a human issue. It's natural law. My faith affirms that. Of course, it backs it up because it always backs up truth. And I think that those are great tools that we need to teach our young people mm-hmm. because they're going to confront mm-hmm. um, all of the challenges that mm-hmm. are out there. And for them to have, Tim, what you're doing and going out to the parishes, it's so key. They need these tools. They need these truth. They need these um, educational aspects of the culture of life in order to face the many challenges um, as they continue to grow and mature. So true. And then as we express this and live this out, truth and love, truth and love, we have to, to speak this message in love. And that's one of the things I try to also do when I go out is to make sure that we can, I have three L's, listen, learn, love. Listen to what someone has to say, learn, ask questions, and then love. We do have to present this in love, don't we? So the, the heart will be open. Absolutely, Tim. And um, th- like you said, that's at the heart of it all. Because yeah. if we don't have love, people are going to recognize yeah. that in us. And they're not going to listen, and they're not going to believe us. Yeah, yeah so true. Well, Rochelle, an hour can go fast. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. I, I, I just want to thank you. Just a- any final comments for our listeners? We have about 30 seconds left about life. Um, I think I... Just what the Lord is doing for us to be able to see how God is at work in all the many challenges that we face today. I mean, with the pandemic and just all the struggles there, just to trust and to know that God loves. He's the lover of every human soul Mm. and that he wants to pour his love out on us and to create within us 
this culture of life that is um, really what's going to save us uh, and bring us closer to Christ and to eternal life. Amen. Rochelle, thanks again so much for your witness and your work. We appreciate it. God bless you. God's blessing to you (laughs) as you embark on this journey. Thank you. When we come back, Father Shannon Bouquet, listening to Real Presence Live. (laughs) 